Hi, I'm Russ Kamarna, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York, and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists, and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This is the story of a girl. This time on Art Craft Truth, singer, songwriter, and frontman for the band Nine Days, John Hampson. From a local kid with a big dream to rock stardom, you know the song, absolutely, this is the story of a girl. In this conversation, we not only explore what it was like at the heights of rock stardom, but we also dig deep into the art and craft of songwriting and musicianship. I hope you enjoy this. John Hampson. All right, John, thank you so much for coming, man. I appreciate Thanks. it. I, appreciate I really it, appreciate you coming by. And yeah. you uh, you come to me courtesy of our buddy Ed. Yes. We love Ed. Ed Uther uh, has been getting me uh, some, some cool guests, and, uh, and you certainly fit the bill as a cool guest. Thank you. Appreciate um, that. Uh, we'll, we'll go over uh, the career and, and some highlights and things, but really I want to talk about how it is you do what you do. Okay. I mean, that's the thing, the, the craft of it. You're a, you're a singer-songwriter, right. so I don't get too many of them, so I, I'm, I'm, it's totally alien to me. <laughs> so if I sound like a moron, on when I'm talking about music, please. <laughs> well, it's, you know, if you're talking about craft and creativity, I think it's all right. It's very yeah. similar. Uh, and and along the way, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm an actor and a filmmaker, so you can we can compare and contrast. You can yeah. throw questions. I'm my super way. actually interested in your world as well. So, so, yeah, so uh, feel uh, free yeah. to to drop a, a a question here or there, and we'll sure. we'll, we'll see Great. how they how they match up. All right, so just to begin, um, you're a local guy. Yeah, Long Island Long guy. Island. Were you born and raised here? I was born in Port Jefferson. Um, okay. I grew up a little bit further out east. I grew up in Calverton, went to Riverhead High School. I kind of went all over <laughs> up until about fifth or sixth grade, but always out on the east end right, right, of right. the island. And then, you know, it's funny because I grew up, you know, what is out there, right? Yeah. Out east. And then my first, like, home, apartment, whatever, was in Deer Park. Okay, Which to me, yeah. I was like, man, I'm, all, I'm, wow. I'm like in a whole different world here in Deer Park. West. Yeah, and, and we were, you were just talking about this. Uh, my, like, that whole process, uh, you know, I was a musician and um, I was in a band and, and that was my whole life. And right. the idea of trying to figure out how to make life work, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, I was, what, I was 21, I yeah. guess. And, you know, you're just trying to figure out how do I make all this work? And it was one of those really amazing moments where, um, I was at a, like a party with a friend of mine and hadn't really thought about moving out. And, and I guess I must have mentioned something offhand, completely offhand. And he says, well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm living out in Deer Park. It's like my grandmother's old house and the upstairs is for rent. I'm like, how much? You know, and he, the, 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 it was an absurdly low rent, especially right, right. for now. So I, I had another friend, musician in my band, and I'm like, I think we can do this. Right. Uh, so... And then I got a job right down the road from where we are at Musicland. Right in here. Right on right Wellwood Avenue. Right, yeah. And literally all the pieces came together right. like that. And I was like, oh my, I, I can do this. Right. I can actually live on my own, you know, work in a music store and have my own place with one of my bandmates and like, you know, make my life all about right, music. Right, right. That's uh, awesome. It was. That's awesome. It was and it's really and it's, cool. And, and I lived out in Port Jeff for a, a little while too, so it's... It, it it sounds funny for us who live on Long Island, but that's a that extra forty minutes yeah. makes a big difference. Well, you, you know, look, I'm I'm sure a lot of your listeners are from Long Island. Yeah. You go about twenty minutes east or west or so, and it's like a different place. Oh, totally. It yeah. just changes. Right, um, right. 
Uh, so where did you live in Fort Jeff? I lived um, just south of like 347. I okay. Was, I was in a little condo thing there yeah, for, I, for just I, a couple of years. I know that area extremely yeah. well. I've yeah. probably drove right past it a million times. Yeah. We used to, uh, the band, Nine Days, my band, Right. we kind of got really our start and, and talk about creativity right, right. And, and what fosters all of that. Um, we, I used to play at this place called the Village Pub in Port Jeff. Right, yeah, bar. I know, right up the road. Yep, yeah, right up, right. right by the tracks, mm-hmm. Tara Inn, right? Yep. But it, it had a fantastic sound system. It had a stage. Um, mm-hmm. It was definitely geared for bands. I don't yeah. know if they do that I anymore, don't know. But, yeah, probably not. But, uh, so I, I'd play there on weekends and stuff, and we got to be friendly with the owners, and the right. band was really just getting going, and we basically said, you have nothing going on on Monday nights. Give us your Monday nights right. for like $250 or something. Right. It might even have been less. I don't remember. Right. I think we made like 50 bucks each or sure. something. And we built a following and we played there every Monday. Right. And um, kind of, uh, you know, talking about creativity, that allowed us, we, you know, I was always writing songs. Right. So that meant every week I had a platform to go and Absolutely. try out these new songs. Right. And there were people, we, we, we built up an audience pretty quickly. It was really an amazing time. And, so you get instant feedback. Yeah. Does this song work? People like this. Wow, they're dancing on the tables for this right, one. This right, is a keeper, you know, right, or right. like, nah, that just didn't work. Right. Yeah, I want to jump around so. a little bit, John, because I, yeah. I looked at, because uh, obviously we're going to get to the stuff people want to hear about, which is the nine day stuff. Right, and uh, sure. obviously uh, um, uh, the story of a girl, the, right. you know, that's, that's the, that's the, the, the one they all remember sure, yeah. uh, at least um, from that time. But I looked at, uh, uh, last night I looked at the album you guys did in 2016, mm-hmm. and that song "Star." Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, which apparently is like a sequel. It looks like to that. It's 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 <laughs> yeah. your life sort of yeah. uh, on. And there was and what I what I want to get around to is there's a there's a lyric in there, and you're gonna have to uh, tell me what it is. Sure. It's um, where you're 13 and you think your your visions of mm-hmm. being a star. Yeah. Um, and they're still there. Yeah. You know, that, that, that stuff, that fire is still there and that dream is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to see is that circle because you have a very interesting journey in that you start with this dream. You, you do, you know, you do the, the local band, cover right. band to the original band, mm-hmm. to, the, yeah. to the big hit, to the dream, and then take a step away yeah. and discover that stuff is still there and then you're back there again. So that's a real interesting circle I want to go. So let's go to that 13 year old okay let's go to that first thing <laughs> were you always musically inclined did you want to do it right from the get-go what yeah. was the stuff you were listening to like what was that about as a kid i you know i've talked about this um with so many different people i teach high school so i i, I have this conversation with seniors uh, i didn't realize as a kid that it was really it was it was incredibly cool or great or fortunate I think I always knew, you know, I always, something about music was always there. Okay. Uh, And I just remember, you know, one of, I have this weird kind of memory of, um, you know, the Doobie Brothers song, Old Black Water. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear some funky Funky Dixieland, pretty mama gonna take take me by the hand. Okay. I'm a kid. I'm a little kid. Yeah. Well, you and I are the same age, so it's the same stuff we were listening to. Yeah. So... As a little, little kid, I just, I didn't know, I took Take Me By The Hand in a different way. I thought, for some reason in my head, I imagined that song was like, you're in like some sort of carnival, and the hand is a ride. You know what I mean? Like, okay. And she takes me over by it. I'm thinking <laughs> my mom, do, you know what I mean? Like, by the hand. Exactly. So, but the point being, like, 
music did something to me yeah. at a very young age. It got in my head and it, it and I I was thinking of it and and it was doing these things. Uh, so I always knew that there was something about music. But you also know when you're a kid, like you don't you don't necessarily know what that means. You right. don't you know when you're six, you're not going well. I've, I'm going to fall you know carve out a career as a musician. You have right, no right. idea what any right. of that means. Right. Uh, and then as you as you get older, you you start to realize. Well, wait a minute. I could play guitar. I could get a guitar. I'm, and then you get one and you're like, well, I, I remember I was 10. I was 11, excuse me. And I swear, I, I thought, I'm way too old to start this now. I'm 11. <laughs> but I remember thinking, well, I, I should have started at five. I'm never going to oh, catch up here. Funny. But what the heck? I'll give it a shot. Right. And then, you know, so, uh, yeah. So at 13, as a teenager. So so what's the stuff you're listening to as a teenager because for me it was you know I was I was always listening to stuff the the generation before mm-hmm. you know Hendrix and Zeppelin and sure, all that okay. I mean that was so I yeah. don't know what um, I was a child of the radio as a kid in the 70s, right? right? So Jerry Billy Rafferty. Joel. Oh, Billy Joel. Billy Joel, <laughs> right? Uh, Queen, I remember loving Queen um, songs. Just yeah. like you know it was always about songs and and that came forever even you know all my life like i've just loved songs i loved a, a, just a well crafted song right. um but you know when i was a little kid what really influenced me was kiss <laughs> right sure um, through the most theatrical thing going I, I you know i was i remember i couldn't have been older than 7 i must have been 7 and i was at a friend's house and he had an older brother and on the door was that poster of the guys in Kiss with like the Revolutionary War hero thing. <laughs> right. And I just, I'll never forget. I was like, what is that? And then coincidentally, I, you know, another neighbor of mine who was like two years older than me had Kiss albums. Oh, cool. And I put two and two cool. together and we would play Kiss, you know, we'd <laughs> blast the albums and you'd, you know, get a tennis racket and you performed it. That was, you know, you'd play Star Wars and then you'd right, play Kiss. Right. Um, so this will answer your question, too, about music, because you'll remember in, like, let's say, 78, 79, whatever, the biggest things in the world for kids were was Star Wars mm-hmm. yep. uh, and for me, Kiss. But yeah. um, so I got uh, two new Star Wars, brand new, just out of, you know, just come out Star Wars toys for like my birthday or something. I traded them for Kiss albums. Wow. So there you go. That's that pretty much you tells pretty, you yeah. everything you need That's to know. And I and I I literally it was like an auction. I had a couple <laughs> guys who were like, "No, no, I'll give you this. I'll give you this." And one guy offered me, you know, Kiss Alive, which is a double album, oh. and the Ace Frehley solo album. And the other guy was going to give me Destroyer, which is the best Kiss album. But I'm like, "But that's three, and you're giving me one. I'm going with three. What did they get? Uh, they got Boba Fett, oh! who was brand new, oh, right? And, Nobody. This yeah. was. You know, and do you remember like uh, they were called the Dewback? It's that lizard thing yeah. with the stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So two like Justin store toys. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? I don't remember my mom getting mad at me, but I can imagine she probably was like, "What? What did you do?" She's but, like, oh, "He's an entrepreneur. You know, he's, he's already thinking." I kiss thinking, albums, yeah. and you know what? I still have those albums. I'll give you two Darth Vaders for a meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, That's it. So yeah, music. That's awesome. Always so so when's life. the first time are you? As a, what, that you remember thinking, was it an instrument first? Were you thinking lyrically? Did you say, Mom, I want to take lessons? Did, like, when did you actually say, I'm going to try and do this beyond just listening to it? Um, okay, true story. Uh, the first story is song that I ever, song, quote unquote, <laughs> that I, I was in the third grade. And yeah. I remember riding on the bus and um, I still, I could still sing it, but I won't. Right. Uh, but the lyric, it was one lyric. But I was like, I, 
I think I got a song. I, I definitely, <laughs> you'll hear the Kiss influence, but it was uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They go bloodthirsty at night. <laughs> that was my first lyric. Okay. You know what? I didn't realize they were the same person. Yeah. I thought they were two two different guys. I didn't know. I just heard of them. But uh, so I think when I finally got a guitar, I I I I know I always would try to be creative in terms of writing. I don't really remember a lot of other than that one. But I think as soon as I got a guitar, what fascinated me instantly was just to create. Okay. You know, like I, I can make sounds, sounds now. With it, right. and, and now I can try to figure out how to make a sound that's actually like a part, you know, a melody right. Right. and and how is that gonna fit with something else. And that has always been my primary drive, passion. I was never gonna be an amazing guitar player. I did yeah. try, but uh, <laughs> there were guys that around me that clearly w were just so much better. Was that what you was that what you wanted to do? I mean, were you looking at the you know the Jimmy Pages and the later you know, on the Eddie Van Halen's in high no, school? I, I, you didn't look at that stuff. No, and I I don't know. Quite honestly, I don't know if it's because I do think that to some degree, uh, and, and this would be, this is a much longer, deeper right. that we don't need to get into. <laughs> but I think I just kind of recognized that you know that wasn't going to be. I was not right. going to be Eddie Van Halen. I think <laughs> right. I knew that pretty quickly, you know, uh, and, and it didn't discourage me. It just, right. you know, I, I was old. I think I, it just, for me, the excitement was creating. Yeah. It was just like putting something together and along those lines. And, and maybe, you know, as an actor, you've had the same experience. Sure. I don't, I don't know, but I will never, ever forget the feeling. The first time I was in my friend's basement, I just gotten like an electric guitar what was and he was a drummer. Me? It was an Aria Pro 2. Okay. I still have that too. <laughs> um, so we would get together. You know, we would like jam on stuff. That's sure. drums and a guitar. And one day he's got this older brother who is a great guitar player. And he just kind of comes down and he decides he's going to like sort of, eh, I'll, I'll slum it with the kids. And he picks up a bass. And I happen to know... I think it was Rainbow in the Dark from Dio. <laughs> Dio. Do you know that one? Yeah. Love that song. Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah. So all I knew was, you know, da 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 That's it, right? But he knew it. Uh -huh. And that we played it. Uh -huh. And it was the very first time that a full, fully formed, here's drums, bass, and guitar was uh -huh. happening. And I swear to God, to the, I can remember the giddy feeling oh, yeah. of, oh my God, it's all coming right. together and i and i was trying to play it cool i'm like 12 whatever 13 maybe and i didn't want his older brother to see how like you know giddy and, and stupid I, so i remember turning away because i couldn't get the smile off my <laughs> face awesome. and i knew i gotta be cool i gotta be cool so i couldn't even look at him right. because i was so happy that's all and yeah. and as soon as that song was over you're like let's let's do that again let's, oh, do, it, let's it, do it again i mean if, if it were a drug <laughs> yeah. i was hooked yeah. immediately yeah. uh and i knew it before then but that was like it was real. Uh, but that was always it for me, was, was putting the ensemble together right. of, of the music and the different players. And then the extension awesome. of that was, you know, singing. Right. So, and so those, those first lyrics, uh, maybe they'll have a place to go. You know, I heard, I, I, you should know that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde had a lab near the hand. That was where they, <laughs> right. that's where they right. did most of their experimentation. Most of their good work. Yeah, yeah most I of their good it. work yeah, was yeah. there. Sure. All right. So, so, as a kid, so are, are you associating with other kids who do the same stuff? Now you got like, you got your drummer and, your, and this and that. When does it start to be like where you 
you start to get a band together, even if it's yeah. rudimentary kid stuff playing around. Um, yeah. Uh, in, and I've had this conversation too. You get older and the generations are different. Like kids, like oh, I, yeah. I talk to younger people. Um, I've, I've done some like some um, like seminar teaching stuff uh, um, with actually the craft of songwriting. And uh, so I talked to a lot of younger kids and they're like, well, what, how, what did you do or what do I do? And I'm like, I don't think you do the same thing that I did anymore. Because back then, like you said, you had to find somebody else. Right. You had to find somebody. There was no other way. Right. Um, so it literally is just, you know, it, you, you could be passing and you'd overhear somebody say, something like my friend and guitar and you <laughs> right. wait what did you say you have a friend who plays guitar who are they you know right. like can, can i talk you know anything to to pull people into a room right. together and and make music um by the time i was in high school for sure i would say probably 10th grade was when ninth or 10th grade was when i i finally had people right and we could get together on the weekend like every saturday whatever right. and go in the basement and you play. And what um, was the what were the st- what were the things you were playing? Oh God, it was Kiss, Kiss. Detroit Rock City, nice. uh, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. <laughs> See, uh, I mean, it was rock. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was that's, it was that's just what whatever had. rock was happening. And um, and did you have like uh, did you guys do Battle of the Bands and oh, the Roller yeah. Skate and yeah. Rink and all that yeah. stuff too? Yeah, we did a Battle of the Bands. In fact, um, <laughs> so I think I was in tenth grade, and um, my my stepbrother's a drummer. Okay. And he went to Sachem High School, which was is a massive school. Thousands, still is. I mean, thousands of students. Where I went to school, there might have been 800 kids, right? right? So uh, there was a much bigger pool of musicians. And uh, to get to Battle of the Bands really quick, so talk about musicians. So I, it was me, my stepbrother, and the kid who lived down the block from him who played keyboards. So we didn't have a bass player or anything like that. But again, you're just desperate. Who, who do you know who plays? So one day, the keyboard player, Paul, he's like, well, I know this kid, and he can play the solo from The Price from Twisted Sister. I'm like, get him in here. You know, like, just anything. So he comes downstairs, and he's now the guitar player in The Roots. Oh, uh, wow. Captain Kirk. Wow. And so he comes down and you know, we're all nice. We're kids. We're excited. But you're, you're kind of like sizing each other. What's he got? What instrument? What's the amp? I was like, oh, he's got almost literally the exact same amp I had. I'm like, all right, same amp. His guitar's not really better than mine. We'll, we'll be good. <laughs> and talk about why I didn't want to be Eddie Van Halen. This sealed the deal. He took that guitar out and started playing. And I was like, I'm oh, done. Okay. I'm That's done. <laughs> I, I will never in my entire life make a sound like that guy just made, that kid yep. just made. Um, so we did a battle of bands and uh, we, the preliminaries, you know, to make it to the top four, we got into, the, we were third. We were like, oh my God, we were young. There's all these right. seniors. So then we go to the actual battle of the bands at the gymnasium. <laughs> And we had no idea what we were getting into. Each band would set up in one quarter of the gym, corner. And all the other bands were seniors. They knew. Uh, they built stages. Wow. Wood, plywood, lights, scaffolding. <laughs> we walked in and we had these tiny little combo amps. And You're the Beatles PA in Shea Stadium. Yeah, and we were like, oh my God, what have we gotten into? That was humiliating. Oh, well, yeah. you need that. You did. You need that. It, it forced me to uh, yeah. elevate my game. Now, was there, for, for a lot of the artists that I talk to, there's always this one whether it's a teacher or there's, there's some encouraging moment early on. Was there a, a, someone like that? Did you, I mean, did you take lessons or was it just literally hearing that sound together and saying, Oh, I can, I can, I can do this. So I think looking back, uh, 
and you know, I'll ask you the same question sure. in a way. Um, I think that I, I had a massive degree of overconfidence. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't obnoxious, but there's a little bit of delusion I think you have to have. So mm-hmm. yes, there were people along the way who were encouraging, um, the, the, definitely throughout my entire right. life as a musician, as I got older, <laughs> uh, you meet people and they, but you, you knew you were impressing. You knew that you right. were like, hey, you were welcomed into new and better places or rooms or, you know, audiences with producers, whoever it was. And right. so you, you, you knew you right. were you were moving forward. Right. Um, and as a kid, those things happen too. But I, I also honestly think that I don't know if it would have mattered. I, I really I, think that I was just I will, so. I will validate. Okay, yeah. So your, I'm curious. My, no, my will, kids are into acting. I so. will. Okay, well, I will validate it because I, I did not have anything like that. I always kind of really? walked in with this sort of. Well, of course I can do this. Oh, okay, this, yeah. I I kind of just know right. I had it. I know how to do this, and I still right. walk around like that yes. today. Probably, yeah. Probably not you know, right. worth doing, but I. But that's, so, okay, so I had that. as an actor, yeah. as a kid, and I'll turn this around do for a second. When did it. you first feel that sense of, I could do this? Oh, man. Well, I, you know, we watched the same reruns together at, the, at that time. So I watched all the Star Trek reruns. Okay. So once I saw Captain Kirk, right. you know, I could do that. And I, and I was, and I was <laughs> doing it in my, in my bedroom. I'm like, right. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. Right. <laughs> I, I believe that I, I yeah. believed in myself. So I think, I think early on, and I had, you know, uh, uh, my, my dad died when I was young, so it was just my mom. So right. she was always very encouraging of it right. and could see that I had a facility for it. Right. So it was one of those sort of self fulfilling, yeah, self uh, absolutely. encouraging deals, you know, and I just continued on through there. But I've, I've found a lot of people that I talk to dancers, musicians, actors, uh, there's always this, there's always, there's usually, it's usually two things. There's usually one teacher who goes, you know, this, this kid just don't have it. Right. And they, and they buckle down, mm-hmm. they recover. And then the next mentor they get goes, I don't know what that guy was thinking. Right. You're great. So it's this sort of, so I was just interested. I, cause I never had that. So I'm glad Wait, to, you never had the, that the, cycle of this sort of mentor who says you're right. great and blah, blah, blah. The only, I look, I, there were definitely moments where things fell apart, but I never lacked for belief. That's good. Uh, it is, thank God. I yeah. mean, I use the analogy of like, if you know, you get a tile floor here and they're probably right. like a foot wide. Right. And if I asked you to just walk straight line on those tiles, you'd be like, I get no problem. But then I'll say, elevate that about a hundred feet straight up and it's only a foot. All of a sudden I can't do that. Right. right? It's right. the same thing. But yeah. looking back, I think to myself, oh my, how did I do that? Like I, right. if I knew now what I knew, I wouldn't have had that much. Ignorance is an amazing oh, thing. Ignorance is bliss. It right? is indeed. Um, but I had times where, I mean, we, we talk about every band has this story, so it's a cliche, but they really happen. I mean, we, when we were, we got to the point where we were shopping labels, we got that letter that said, you know, these guys are never going to make it. You know, one right. literally said, hey, John's, I think it was 20, John's 26. If he hasn't written a hit yet, he never will. I'm going to pass. Wow. <laughs> so everybody's like, you got to frame that. That's got to be your album cover. Right, and right, you, right. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it. Oh, the best one was uh, one guy wrote us off and called us Ernst, Ernest Neo Hippie Crap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but those sting for about a second. And then you're like, okay. Move on. You know what, though? Ernest Neo Hippie Crap. <laughs> like That's kind of... Yeah, that should have been our album That should have been your album title. Ernest I'm Neo sure Hippie. at one point we were convinced it would be. <laughs> I think you and, and Blink-182 were fighting over that title. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So 
All right, so let's get you out of school and when you're starting to do the band. Now, I, I mm -hmm. have a buddy uh, who was actually on this podcast who, same age as us, mm -hmm. and he was in a real big cover band back in the early 90s, too, so he knew all you guys. Okay. So you guys were, you had a cover band, yeah. Wonderama, right? Correct, yeah. His was Belly Button. Oh, yeah, sure. Who, who are we talking Vinny about? Vinny Nigro. Yeah, okay, that's player. right, yes. I grew up yes. with Vinny. Okay. And, uh, and he's a fantastic songwriter, and he, yeah. was a, uh, he composes all my uh, scores oh, for my films. I didn't know Vinny very well. I knew those guys. I know Chris a bit. Yeah, Chris um, Bell, yeah. Uh, a couple of those guys. We, you know, we were, I don't know that we were competitive in a really negative way, right. but we, because we were all busy playing all the time, yeah. it was and, once in a while you get to check each other and out. And that was back in, in, the, in the early to mid, early 90s, really. Yeah. Where that was, you can't, they don't do that. No, now. I don't think so. They don't have the cover band no. kind of thing where you guys, like rock stars even then, they're packing houses for we, these places. It was, uh, well, I don't know where you're going with the, with the question, but I, I will just say that um, there was a, I had a. By the way, I never know where I'm going with the question. <laughs> So, good, good. So, so it doesn't matter where I go. Just keep it keep going uh, if you want. When I, you know, as a kid, go back really quick. All right. It was always about writing. You know, okay. we played covers as a kid because, sure. you know, you, you don't have a lot of songs yet. Right. So you mix them, you mix them. But once I got out of high school, I, I joined this band and they were all a little older than me, but it was all originals. And that was it. Out of, right out of high school. Oh, right out of high school. It was okay. like, I, you know, I was 18 and I joined this band that I'd seen around Long Island and they were so good. And we were like in the studio immediately demoing for labels. And I was like, this is going to be incredible. I'm 18. I think I, I, I'm there. What's the, what was the name of that? They band? were called Jesse James. They were so good. Mm. Yeah. Um, just a great band, great songwriters. They had everything together. They sounded amazing. They, 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 as a band, they were great. Um, they had equipment. They had everything you, you, you watch them. You're like, man, these guys are there. They're, right. they're right there. Um, but it was, I, I had, I kind of, I didn't, I thought it was cheating to be in a cover band. I thought it was kind of lame. Like, they don't play other people's music. I don't want to do that. Um, but in an original band, we would play to, because it was, a, there was a scene. Yeah. It would be packed. Yeah. And we'd make a couple hundred bucks, maybe, you right, know, which you'd right. throw back into the band, whatever. But it, it wasn't really about the money. But then my stepbrother, it was in, you know, we'd stop playing together because I, I joined this other band and, and he started playing this cover band. And they needed a guy to fill in. And I was like, oh, man, I don't really want to do this. I got to sing Black Crows and, you know, I, I can't Pearl sing this Jam. kind of stuff. Pearl Jam. <laughs> right. But I got paid. Right. And so I started doing that. And then from there, that the scene you're talking about was the Omnipop scene. Right. Exactly. And it the took Omnipop. a few years of going around. Mulcahy's. Mulcahy's, the Dublin pub. Mm -hmm. um, we played up. We'd play up at Hunter Mountain. We'd play up in Boston. We'd play the Jersey Shore. And it took a little while, but basically I realized, you know, we, we're in, in the band, we all had day jobs. Right. And then I started, I worked at Musicland and I started doing, filling in with some of the bigger Omnipop bands. And then I got asked to join an Omnipop band and I was like, hmm. And they're like, well, this is what you're going to make. And I was like, this is like five <laughs> times what I'm making all week. How right. do I not do this? Right. So slowly I convinced and I put together Wonderama by convincing everybody in my band just do this. Sure. It's an alter ego. Pretend, Who cares? Pretend it's a day job. Yeah. Well, because now yeah. we would go and do that. And it was it was my band plus uh, Jill, uh, Joya Pisano. I'm not sure what she goes by now, but as a singer. We, so we had to, you had to have a girl singer. Yeah. Um, although Belly Button didn't. They good did for not. them. Smart. Uh, but uh, you but know, Vinny's we, brother could sing really high. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, he did, actually. Yeah. Um, but we made tons of money. And now 
we had our days free. Yeah. So we would book, there's a studio in Deer Park, EKO Studio, we love it. Um, and we would book, you know it, right? It's the <laughs> best place in the world. So we would go there twice a week for four hours at a, at a day, yeah. you know, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we'd write and we'd rehearse. And then mm. during the days, my partner in the band, the writing partner, Brian and I would get together and we'd write and we'd demo, we'd, and we now, could how long, do it. How long did you know, where did Brian come? Because he's a big part of your whole thing. Yeah. Where, where did he come in in this timeline? Uh, Brian came in uh, again I was probably about 19ish and that band that Jesse James band right. eventually kind of fell apart maybe I was a little older maybe 20 um it just kind of it it sort of fell apart but a bunch of us that were in that band together me and and there was a singer in that band I was not the singer but he was a great writer and mm. we were like okay we're, we we want to do this we want to take the band this right, direction right, okay this is, gets all convoluted but Brian was in another band and my best friend from high school, who was a drummer, had just joined. But now Jesse James breaks up. So uh -huh. I call my buddy Keith. I'm like, listen, you know, you got to come play. We're going to take the pieces of Jesse James. We got this great thing. We already have this per person involved, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just joined this band. It's going to be so hard. I'm like, we'll take Brian too. We need another <laughs> guitar player. He's great. Let's do it. Right. So we kind of pillaged half of the other band and, and put it together, and that's kind of how Brian and I. Now got was to that work was that was that one of these things right away where you like as soon as you start working with the guy you're like oh okay there's something here or, or yeah was it? pretty much it was funny because Brian um, had this big crazy mane of hair and he had this blonde like bleached blonde streak <laughs> and there was a poster of his band somewhere and I remember looking at it going that guy looks like a jerk you know or, or worse I'm sure he's right. worse so I always laugh about that that was my first impression of Brian I was oh this guy looks like a tool but uh <laughs> and he was he was really good he learned the stuff super fast and we had a really good like uh guitar connection like okay. the way that we both played together and as we, you know, we got to know each other, um, it just, it made sense. It fit. I liked right. how we played guitar a lot. And All right. So let, let's, them. let's do this now, you know, because now you're, you're, you're paying your bills, uh, as a musician and mm -hmm. you're, you're making, you're doing the cover band, but you're writing yeah. and now you're working on your original stuff. <clears throat> let's get into the craft part of it. Sure. Um, what was the writing process like early on as a, then? Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of contrast how you do things now. What we like, how did you do things? How did you actually sit down and do it? Do you, do you hear a, a melody in your head or do you get a lyric? What comes first? That kind of a thing. How do you do it? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this today cause I'm like, I know I'm going to have to answer this. Uh, <laughs> um, there won't be grades or anything. Yeah. Good. So. Good. Well, I think first of all, it happens in all different ways. That, yeah. That's that's the first answer. Is it, it, There is no one set way. But what I will say is when, when I really started, when I've considered when I really became a writer for real, I was always writing. But you know, as a teenager and then up until probably like 20-ish or so, you know, I was, I was writing bigger things, big guitars, you know, like rock guitars and like maybe not riffs, but that kind of thing. And you know, melody was, is always, has always been and still continues to be everything for me. It's just, I hear a melody. That's right. usually it. And do you, is it from, you just pick up an instrument and just start to go or is it, or do you actually, is it in your head first? It's kind of in my head. Okay. Um, but, you know, sometimes you pick up the guitar or whatever and you'll strum it and, right. and that evokes, you know, a melody. Um, but, you know, when I first started and I really, you know, the kind of the, the foundation of, of the band Nine Days was with Brian and I was, look, all right, look, we, we got to kind of hit a reset here. You know, I, I, I want to, it's just to back up really quick. Um, I was 
painting in my parents' house and I was looking for something to listen to and my mom had old out vinyl albums. Uh, none of my stuff was at home anymore. So she had Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits and I put that on. And I, you know the songs, you sure. can't not know them, especially our generation too. Right. But I remember listening and, and it hit me. I was like, oh my God, like this album is at this point, it's 20 something years old, whatever, right. older. And I'm like, every one of these songs is still amazing. And yet there's stuff I listened to three or four years ago. That's terrible. <laughs> I already recognize it. I'm like, what am, what am I doing here? Like I'm missing something. I'm right. missing like this foundation. So that was a huge jump off point for me to sit down with the guitar and really, really concentrate on lyrics and writing and and writing with the 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 subject matter of what i'm writing about it just it, there was something about i wanted it to be more authentic more real more true uh so that was a huge part of it but i would definitely pick up the guitar and i would strum the chords and you and know just just doing like chord progressions until yeah. you, until something kind of goes oh what's that and then yeah. do lyrics come after that i for me i think what happens I'm trying to remember back to the earlier songs I wrote. Um, and I think it's it's all kind of comes at once. Okay. You know, like there's some... The, probably the biggest influences for me are, number one, if I just hear a little melody, mm -hmm. anything, it just gets right. in there. And then if if everything is right, a lyric will come out with that melody. Something will just kind of you know, naturally seem to marry to that melody. Well, and it just the, seems right. That's the talent right there because that's, yeah. that's on, uh, you know, you can't grasp where that comes from. That's No, not at all. Yeah. And, and you can't, you can't bottle it. And this is, you know, talk about craft versus inspiration, right? This right. is inspiration, yeah. right? If something jumps and you know the feeling, I, I'm, I, anybody creative knows it. Yes. You, it's like a hot, you, you, you're on, you're buzzing for a second and you're like, there's something here. There's something right. here and I can't let it go because I know it's going to pass. Right. It might last 10 I, minutes. I read something uh, about you just the other day, just looking at some stuff where you, and like I said, we're going to mm, bounce sure, around yeah, the yeah. timeline, but where you went down to Nashville later on yeah. in your career and you're not writing from a place of just sort of inspiration. Yep. You're kind of just pulling stuff out Craft, of it. Yeah. yeah. So was that, is that difficult to do? Is it different for you? Like how are those two things? I think it would have been almost impossible for me to do when I was first really okay. writing. Yeah. I don't think I would have been good at it um, because I, I had this sense that there was more, it was more about an inspiration and it was more about like, there was some sort of uh, truth or honor to that wherever it took me. I kind of was always hesitant to mess with something if it kind of got there. Right. Uh, well, that must be it. You know, that that's where it came from. I can't touch it. Um, and it, I think when I went to Nashville, which was, God, I don't know, five, maybe five, six years ago, um, I was truly ready. And I was nervous going in a little bit. I was like, oh, I, I, I've never really done this. And in Nashville... And just explain for yeah. what, what it was you were doing that was different. What? So, all right, normally if I would if I was sitting and write a song, I, I would just, you know, I could pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. Days, you know, could go by. Uh, you know, I might write one part and two weeks later come on another. Who knows? Right. In Nashville, it's an appointment. Well, I, I've got from one to three, <laughs> you sit down... And you're on the clock. Wow. And these guys, that's what they do all day. Wow. So I learned there's an incredible skill to what they do. Um, and it, it's a simple concept, right? And I figured, you know, I learned just 
from doing it a few times. Like generally the guys that are really good at it, you sit down and we just start doing this, just okay. having a conversation. Right. And then at some point the conversation leads to something to write about. Right. Um, so, uh, I'll talk about the Nashville thing first for a minute. Yeah, that's quick. okay. No, Cause I, I, this is a great, at, this at is one of my favorite. At any point you want to pick up to, uh, to illustrate. Yeah, you sure. Certainly... I'll, I'll do this right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't even know if I'll remember that's all right. the chords. <laughs> I'll probably forget the chords. That's all right. It doesn't matter. So I wrote with this guy, it was me, Brian and Nashville and, um, oh, God, hang on. What's his name? Um, it'll come to me in a second. Yeah. Uh, who, who's the guy from Braveheart? What was the character's name in Braveheart? Bruce oh, Wallace. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's well, how I well, remember yeah, it. Right. <laughs> His right. name is Bruce Wallace, okay. who's apparently related to them. He's always <laughs> I, I had seen this guy in Nashville a few times, and he's like got this really, like, really kind of off, off the charts, weird, left to center energy, which I was always like, this guy, I want to write with that guy. So we get into a room with him, and we sit down, and, and we're talking, and I don't even know how it got here. But I had just read this book on Andy Kaufman, the comedian, mm -hmm. yep. and uh, how, you know, the, the, all the conspiracy theories, how he yes, faked his right. death. It's really right. awesome, by the way. <laughs> read it. Um, so we started talking about that. Okay. And would, you just sit there and you're like, as you're talking, you're going like this. And you're just doing that. And then, so I said something like, out of all these guys, the Jim Morrison conspiracy, right. the Andy Kaufman, uh, Jimmy Hoffa's, mm -hmm. all these guys, wouldn't it be amazing if just one of them would finally come back? Right, Elvis. Elvis, know, whoever, yeah. he's in the song. <laughs> in about an hour and a half, we wrote a song <laughs> called Conspiracy, right? And the chorus is, come on back, come on back. Paul McCartney, we know that ain't you no more. Uh, so all of them, we just That's name awesome. checked everyone. We know, come on back, skinny Elvis. We know you're down there in Belize. Come on back, right? That's so great. we write this course and we're kind of laughing, but we're like, this is really cool, you know? Right. Um, and and it was just about all these guys. And then from, well, how do we, where do we go with right. this? So classic let's turn this into a love song how do you turn a song about come on back andy kaufman you know don't say you're begging please come on back jimmy hoffman you know so then we said of all the ones that left us in mysterious ways you're the only one i want to see face to face maybe it's true maybe it's true i'd send them all back i'd send them all back for you so <laughs> that's great we turn this into a love song that's awesome. You know, we would give me Andy Kaufman, Jimmy right, Hoffa, right. Paul McCartney, Jim Morrison, right? You know, Paul McCartney right, is really yeah. here. But yes. point is, if any of those guys came back, right. I would deny I'm... them if you would come back to me, That's right? Fantastic. So come on. Like, but I remember sitting there with, with Bruce Wallace and he was laughing and he's like, there's nobody on the row, which is the Nashville, you sure. know, he's like, there's nobody on the row writing a song like this right now. That's great. And it was a great moment. So, but, so yeah. is that, is that, a different kind of yeah. uh, clearly it's a different turn on than the you know sitting waiting for two days to go by before that yeah it, it's last the of, same buzz right. it's the same creative oh i've grabbed the tail of this dragon kind right. of feeling um but i i did a whole bunch of these writing sessions down in nashville with different guys you know some of the same guys occasionally um and i would say about 90 percent of them resulted in that kind of a feeling right. where you walked out with a song <laughs> and and it was awesome but um so look you had to the difference in the creative process was you had to 
You had to put yourself out. You had to find an in. I always call it the in. And, and, and like, what's your inspiration? But how are we getting in here? How are we? It's like okay. a blind date. Sure, you know? sure. How, how do we find something in common? How do we find something to write about? You know, like, what, what do you have? And um, that's your inspiration. But you have to manufacture it. Well, you know what's bit. interesting? Uh, and you could bring that mic just a yeah, little. Sir. Yeah, sir. No, you can. That's fine. What's interesting is how it correlates to kind of what, what we do. What we do on my side of the fence yeah. is the performance for the actor is always in the other actor. Like, in other yeah. words, if, I, if I'm going to create a character, that, that it's, that's a yeah. fallacy. There is no, there's no me creating a character. I might put on artifices and sure. things and things to help me. But my character comes out of the, out of the other guy. Right. And his objective clashing with Meisner, my, by the way, is this is uh, part of Meisner? The, Meisner is a, is a, is a method kind of, of it. Of listening. Yeah. And, listening yeah. and reacting okay. and all that stuff. But the point is that the, 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 the creativity, the truth of it comes out of the interaction right. and what yeah. you're trying to get where, as opposed to you bringing this sort of thing of your own. Yeah. So that's sort of like the, the musical equivalent of that, just sitting and, uh, yeah. and, 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 and jamming until something comes across, you know? Yeah, you know what? I think it, as you're saying it, if, if I sit in a room with somebody who doesn't give me anything right, back... Right. You know, I'm on my own here. I got to figure this out, right. which I've But here's the thing, though. Here's yeah. the interesting, if you want to keep the correlation going, yeah. what I would tell acting students is, uh, you know, what happens when somebody doesn't give me something back? It's like, well, that's even better. Right. Because, you know, you have an objective here. They right. have an objective. And, and the actor themselves is a piece of wood. They're not giving it to you. Right. So you got to try harder. Right. And, right. You're, and you're, suddenly stuff is coming out that you didn't expect was going to come out, you know? So... I mentioned my sons. I have twin boys. Yes. They'll be 17 in March, and they're both into acting. Mm -hmm. And the irony is I so did not push music because it's like you, we both said this in the beginning, right? We kind of knew we wanted this. We had some delusional Absolutely. sense, right? <laughs> right, right? And I always knew. It's like you. this isn't something you want to do. It's something you just need to do. You can't right. not do it. Um, so I felt like if my kids were going to be musicians, it had to be for this in the same way that I came about it, which is it's just there and it's going to find them and they're going to do it. I'm not going to be hey, put a guitar right, in their hands. Right. I just didn't want to do that. Also, because I know how hard it is. Yes. So they have to, they had to be something they grabbed. So they didn't go to music. They went to acting. It's like, come on, yeah, could you, could pick you have a... picked anything yeah, right. more difficult, right? <laughs> right? I mean, if there's anything more to struggle with than musicians, Pretty it's much. actors, yeah. right? So, but they're good at it, and I'm not oh, I'm great. bragging. But uh, I think they're just fantastic, and I watch them, and, and I'm like, I don't know how they do that. I yeah. couldn't do that. There's not a chance I could do that. Well, my guess is that given the opportunity, you'd probably... You wouldn't be Eddie Van Halen, I, you, know, you could still I, play the guitar. I watched, <laughs> I watched my uh, one show that they were doing... And uh, I won't, anyway, my son had played a role and they double cast a role and, you know, my son came out, did his thing. And uh, I was like, wow, again, like really great. I don't know how he does that. But I, I started thinking, oh man, it'd be so much fun. I, maybe I could, you know, maybe on my own way, maybe I'll try that one day. And then the next night they have like another cast come out and the other kid came out and he, he did a great job. So don't right, get me wrong, right. but he was clearly nervous at first mm. and his first line came out and it wasn't it it wasn't words it was just <laughs> blah, 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 blah. like he he was i felt so he was so right. nervous you know and then he recovered and then he was so good right but i that moment i went oh, oh. no no that's me <laughs> right that's me the whole time oh, like not man. not when they make it look easy oh, right. and it was just funny because i went oh no yeah 
okay, that's right. I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> that would be me falling right. apart. Well, there's um, a, there's a craft to everything and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's taking the art and crafting it into, into that thing. And, and yeah. what you do is, is you know, beyond my comprehension. So that, that, that makes total sense. So let's circle back now. Sure. So let's bring you back to, uh, to that nine days uh, the, where where that thing forms. You'd been in a couple of bands. It was another band before, right? Yeah, I was in, if you, if you don't count high school. Right, yeah. I was in like two bands before nine days. Right, and then nine days, and the title comes from what? It was, it's not uh, a great story, but uh, I had written a song called Nine Days of Rain. Okay. Which, by the way, came from a Bob Dylan song called Seven Days, which the song is irrelevant. I just thought the title, I was like, I don't know what it is about Seven Days. Is a title. I love that. And I, so I wrote my own version. Uh, it has nothing to like his song, but I have wanted a song with the number of days in it. Right, so right, mine was Nine Days of Rain, because I'm young and everything's dramatic, right? right. Um, so we were in the studio for nine days. Okay. Didn't really think about it. Somebody, you know what a track sheet is where they just write, sure. working on that was the last song. And somebody had just written nine days and mm -hmm. laid it on the console. Right. So I'm in the booth doing the vocal and Brian, you know, hits the talk back. He's like, hey, how many days have we been in here? And I'm, nine. Right. That's the name of the band. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that was it. <laughs> the name days. of the band, yeah. So you guys did, what, two before the before the, ma the yeah. batting crowd the big, uh -huh. the big hit album you did two others or three we did three, three little indie, indie if you even want to call them that and yeah. how back then how did you guys get like what what was the indie label how did they get the song like what was the process we, there was no label it was just us it was always oh, just you guys we, okay so we had two bands brian and i you know were in these two bands before and and the whole time we were in those other bands we we always thought we were right there mm. there was always somebody working helping we were in this studio we were getting played for this guy this person you always felt like you were right there and then we played this gig for the uh oh my god what's it called it wasn't new music seminar but uh every year they would do it in new york city all these new bands i don't know why i'm drawing mm. a blank but um so we had a gig we, this is it okay. we're gonna get this is our moment and we were playing some little place down in the village and um i think brian's guitar amp blew up and my <laughs> singer just i don't know what happened with him but it was so bad. Wow. We all drove home and nobody, nobody spoke. The only words that oh. were spoken, Brian was driving in this big Bronco and I guess he was driving real aggressive and our singer yelled at some point and he said something like, I know we suck, but I don't want to die before I get home. <laughs> that was pretty much the, we just knew it was over. So um, we started nine days and the right off the bat, Brian and I said, okay, look, we're not doing this again. We're not going to like go through all this showcasing. Like we know what we want to do. We're going to spend however much time it takes writing okay. and we're going to save our money. It was me, Brian and my drummer at the time. And all we're going to do is when we finally have enough songs that we feel we have an album, we're going to go make an album. We're tired of waiting right. for somebody to do this. So we saved up like $6,000 <laughs> over like six months. And we went to Sabella Studios in Roslyn. Neve Console, Jim Sabella, awesome guy. Um, and we recorded an album. Now, how long did it take you to write those songs? An album's worth of songs? Um, would we, you say? We wrote a lot, but we what we would do is, this is back when I was working right down the road, mm -hmm. and every Monday night we would go to a, this studio, uh, studio phase rehearsal, and mm -hmm. we had the sound stage, the big sound stage, and we would work on a song. So, uh, and then we'd write all week and whatever, you know, try different ideas and then, okay, this is the best one. Let's try this one. So it 
probably the whole process was probably about nine or ten months. Um, okay. But I, I I don't remember how many songs we tried and threw out. And or, did you and did you guys have did you have a sound right off the bat that was like this sound this is us? Were you, was it stuff yeah. that was in your orbit like? Because what was going on around that time? That was uh, it was ninety four. It was pre grunge right or right it was, the, it was right it was the tail end of of the grunge thing for right, sure yeah counting crows had just come out right. that was a huge um album i fell in love with that album right um so was were those kind of things seeping into it like was that part of uh yeah absolutely because if, if you think about um neil young was sort of the godfather of grunge and it, you know that's what they called him back. Then. Yes, and right. I uh, so that was one of I almost became a student uh, with music. Going back to the Bob Dylan thing, um, I just just realized I, I needed like an education in, in songwriting, mm. and, and I had missed something. So I was digging in hardcore into Bob Dylan, digging in hardcore into old Neil. Young. And when you say that, what does that mean? Like I would listen, just listen to those albums. And, yeah, and, just yeah, and and not. Just listening, just just listening to a guy with a guitar, without all the the histrionics and 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 sonic um, sort of bells and whistles right. of the '80s records, or even you know to a degree the, the Pearl Jam's and the Pearl Jam album was a huge inspiration, yeah. but in a great way that I I heard something that I thought okay this. There's some something rooted in, in authenticity here with the lyrics, but I was like, I'm not gonna just jump on this bandwagon. Right, right. But but it it's inspiring that you can make different kinds of music, rock music, right. than what I all my teens had been right. experiencing. Right. So it was more about just I was a deliberate step back. Let's just guitar and a vocal. If we can get a song that sounds really good with just the guitar, then we know we have a song. Okay. And then we can and figure out how to pull it together. And yeah. Whatnot. And it was a very, very um, conscious decision to push ourselves out of our comfort zones right. and, and instrumentation wise too. And just, uh, it was, it was an, a really awesome. And when you scrape experience. together that six grand and you, and you put that first album together, what's that feeling like when you're, you lay it down and, and it was, it was weird. Cause I, I, I was really happy that we did it. Um, but I was oddly, I don't think that was insecure, but I knew that what we, the record that we had made wasn't necessarily going to appeal to the people who had come seen my bands play before. It was definitely what? different. Oh. It wasn't, it wasn't as big of a rock thing. Okay. Uh, it was definitely, um, I don't, I don't want to say it sounded like Counting Crows cause I don't think it did, but it probably would have fit in. Yeah, in that world niche. a little bit you know gin blossoms maybe kind of vibe um and but i also remember i think what what triggered that too was we played a gig at the roxy in huntington <laughs> uh it's a big big room and i'd played there many times with my old band where everything is on 10 you know, <laughs> right and i remember getting up there for and the first time like, yeah, and we're playing <laughs> i didn't know how to do it right i felt so uncomfortable i was like oh my god wait a minute all of my sort of on stage instincts are not right anymore right. for this. And it was one thing to sit in the rehearsal room and play. We didn't know at that point how to just go up and just play. It felt right. like, well, this is, we're supposed to be doing a show, whatever it was. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, I, I don't, 
I don't know what what we're doing right now. Right. Uh, so that was it was an interesting moment, but it was it was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still that I love that album now, especially. But uh, it, as far as creatively, it why was now very especially? Different. I listen back to it, and, and I'm like, we were really on to something. What we were doing was was pretty. Uh, it was completely us pushing out of a normal comfort zone. Mm. But for us, it was very, uh, it was very um, uninfluenced. Right, like, right. You know, it, it, it was us trying... Being you. Yeah, exactly. Being you. you like, so no, without the filter. What was the name of that album, the first one? Um, we called it uh, Something to Listen to. Something to Listen to. Yeah. So is there a favorite track, a favorite riff, a favorite, you know, where you think back, like, I love that thing I did where I did that thing or whatever. Like, is there... Yeah, a, what um, is it? There's a lot of them. That's well, why give, I love give it. Give me one of them. Just, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, take a, I'll take a core. Okay. I don't care. Um, let me see. I haven't played this... Tune, but <laughs> so that was just something again. This is kind of Neil Young, All right? Yeah. And I had some, I still wrote poetry. I don't sure. really, so I had this thing that I'd written, and I'm like, I think this so, might work. So you started with that, but you already had something you're like, this might, I yeah, might be able exactly. To... Okay. And I, and I, that was something that uh was new. You know, I so here I, I was trying to not just write songs, I was just trying to write things in right, general. Right. And so I had lyrics or words and then it was how does this fit? And um so when that that was another very unique way of writing. But so like that was something that was like, wow, okay, that that just happened and it was totally real. It right. was like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm not doing a good job explaining no, it. No, I get it. I it totally wasn't get fabricated, it, it wasn't yes. it wasn't like, Oh, I'm gonna write this song. So when things like that would happen you just you could trust them. That's what it was. You right, were like right. that was that was a completely honest moment, and I feel and great. And what about happened it. with that? You know, like what was the that reaction? Got the, that got the ball kind of really rolling okay, for us. Right, cool. Yeah, um, that you know, a friend of mine. Like who, back then, did you self destruct? Like, how do you get it out there? We our philosophy was. We're never, we're not going to, it's not about making the money right. back. We didn't care. We just wanted people. We sold them for five bucks that shows. <laughs> That's great. We figured five dollars. Who's not going to drop five bucks, right. right? And we sold a good amount of CDs just doing our shows. Just, cool. but because, and, and we, and then we did, we did three of them and we always did the same thing. It was five bucks. Right, right. Um, and then uh, when we had the third one, we were like three for 10. <laughs> it's just like, let's just get this yes. music out there. Right. Let's have somebody playing this in their car and then have their friend listen and go, oh, what? What is that let me go check them out right. like that was our philosophy it was basically like promotion you and know? during that whole time we're going to get to that mm-hmm. the big album right now we're going to switch over okay. but during this time of as you're doing this you're playing the gigs this is how you're making a living at this point or you're still working at this point um somewhere in the in between in between like that was 90 we recorded that in 94 we probably finished it in 95 we did another one in 96 we did another one in 97 right. so as that progression is happening we're trans trans slowly putting yeah. putting the music land behind yeah and, you know, exactly right, yeah. And, right. and just doing music yeah so um so were you that the the, the madden crowds one the the mm-hmm. you know um the big album yeah, that yeah. blows it up were you signed when you did that album like how did did that did the album come first did the who heard you like how did that all come that together? is your 
literally like you know you know the movie that thing you do okay all right it's pretty much that story um (laughs) that that's pretty much it uh we had we had made these records we we got to uh you know like i said earlier you you start meeting people we Mm -hmm. we had a, a friend of mine who I met in college, or I, he was in college, I wasn't, but um, he went into the music industry, and he was a fan of the band, and he was like, I'd like to take this. So I'm, he, was, I'm he was Tom Hanks? He pretty much. He, I don't know, he might have been Carl, the guy oh. who recorded the album, I'm not sure, or the pizza place owner, I don't know. But uh, he just said, I really like your band, I'm, I'm interning at this law office, entertainment law, uh, I want to bring it in. Okay. So he played the, it was a tape, played the tape wow. for him and that lawyer was interested and we started talking on the phone and I had seen enough movies and read enough <laughs> books to know you got to be wary of all this. So uh, here I am like telling the lawyer, well, let me think about it. And it, we, we became pretty close as time went on and he would still laugh about it. He's like, I'll never forget this 24 year old kid basically blowing me off, you know, like uh, offering to help. And, but so he started shopping us around. Okay. Um, and that's where we got rejected, Neo Hippie, Ernest Crap, whatever. <laughs> uh, so that happened a lot, and we would showcase in the city. But eventually, people were coming back, and a lot of guys were coming back, and they were like, "Look, we kind of like your band. We just not really sure what you what you're doing. Right, we're not really right. sure what what are what is the band. There's some Americana here. There's some, you know, roots rock to it. There's there's some pop here. We're just what exactly? And this is at the time of like Hooting the Blowfish is blowing right, up and right. um, Dave Matthews and um, I'm trying to think who else. But so uh, eventually we get into a situation where we have a production deal and we're recording at the power station in New York City, which is called Avatar. It's like famous. Springsteen recorded Born in the USA in the A room. We oh, wow. get into the A room to demo. We're like, this is wow. incredible. So we do this production deal. Long story short, production deals mean you go in when other clients cancel. Okay. So we'd get a phone call, you know, whoever it was, some Aerosmith just canceled for the day, (laughs) come on in. But we're on the island out in Suffolk. It takes us two and a half hours to get through traffic, but we'd throw it in, let's go, you know, we'd get in the city and we'd record. And um, it took a long time and it killed me creatively. It took a long time to to To, do To do what was going to be a four song production deal demo took months. And creatively, it it really it killed me. I couldn't I couldn't write. I just I felt like I had unfinished business. Mm. So in creative process, you probably understand this yeah. too. I mean, if you're writing, sometimes you know it's hard to you, you're stuck in one yeah. thing, and you're like I can't even think about this other thing. I'm, yeah. I'm here. But what happened was, we finally finished it. Okay. And the moment we finished it. Um, I write this one song called Another Day, which um, I don't have to keep up. Here's another day, she waits and pulls herself away. Just the right moment to say it's just kind of, right. you know, it's kind of close to what I was doing. But then I stumble across a chorus that is the most pop chorus I'd ever written. Just kind of happened. And I realized I could marry them. So here's an example of how yeah, songs yeah, took a I, long time. Absolutely. Uh, I wish for nothing but the rain to fall And wash away everything that I've done wrong Find my nothing wrong <laughs> Only for another day So it was this kind of pop chorus And after months and months and months working on these four songs I played this song and he's like, we're doing this right now This producer okay. So we banged that one out in like a week 
Okay. And we get an offer. Wow. From a label. Uh, and just like out of nowhere. That's not even the thing you do story. So we get an offer from an indie label. It was for $90,000, which today, that's a really good deal. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, that's incredible. But it was an indie label. Um, and my same friend, the college guy who brought me to the lawyer, sat down. I'll never forget this. And I don't talk to him anymore. And I so need to tell him this. He knows. But um, he goes, this is a good deal. Don't take it. He goes, write it, write it, another hit and write your own deal. Don't, don't take this. Wow. Somehow, after years of being denied, we had the, whatever you want to call it, to right. say no. And well, that's it, man. Right after that, um, and this is, you know, this is always the climax of my VH1 behind the music story. <laughs> right. I'm, I haven't talked about this the whole time, but uh, in the mean, as all this is happening, I meet this girl um, and we're dating. And uh, she's ready to get married six months in and I'm not. I'm a musician struggling. I've just told you all about those struggles, right? right. So uh, we constantly have arguments right. about this. Uh and God forbid somebody that she knows started dating somebody <laughs> oh, after we started dating. You know where I'm going. Forget it. So I'm at a gig out on Island Park. And uh, so this is also in terms of inspiration and songwriting. Yeah. Uh, somebody got engaged. Oh, I know right away. That's, my, that's death. My day's ruined. Yeah, it's over. My weekend is completely ruined right. because it wasn't her. And so she storms off and she's on the other side of this venue. And, and true story, I've, I've told this so many times, but it, it's still true. Uh, I'm looking across the room right. and I'm, she drives me nuts. She drives me crazy. I can't stand this. As I'm thinking this, she was, you know, being gracious. And she, I see her laughing with this girl. She smiles. She smiles. And, <laughs> and I, I literally thought to myself, she drives me crazy drives me nuts but i absolutely love her when she smiles and talk about not knowing where these things come out of the ether right. i just started this is story of a girl now just happened boom yeah the words are coming and the yeah. music's coming everything now here's the thing uh so bring this back to craft for a second because yeah. this is something that i i even for myself like i find really interesting in the creative yeah. process if I sit down with a guitar, I'm very likely to play G one four five G D C chords, right? Okay. It's like the 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 crutch. We it's it's patterns, right? But I don't have a guitar. I just have the melody, and I've done this a million times where right. you have a melody, and and I would mention this before, and and I, again, I assume it's the same thing for any creative endeavor. Right. You know you're onto something, and and you know it's a wave, and it's only going to last so long. Yep. So you're like tune everything out, tune it, don't talk. Let me, you know, and you just kind of what what's happening right here, and you're focusing, and sometimes it leads you nowhere, you, and that's it. But this time, everything's happening, and the way I, I remember it and visual and visualize it is. The melody and the words are all just sort of tumbling out. Mm. And my job at that point, if I describe it, was to literally just pick the, the ones that were, were coming. No, no, that's no, no, yes, yes, no, yes, no. Like, wow. And so, you know, it's just coming out. This right. is the story of a girl. Now you're, now you're stuck in Island Park somewhere. I'm at a gig. Are you, are you, how did you get it down? Well, it, it happened 
I want to say it was like 20 minutes. That's how I remember okay. it. Who knows? Memory's crazy, right? But I think it was only about 20 minutes of me wandering and, and desperately don't interrupt me and going, story of a girl, cut her down. And I get it. And right. I get the whole thing. Right. But I haven't picked up a guitar yet. Um, and I don't have a phone with a recorder because it's no, 1998. It doesn't exist. Right. So, uh, but we were... I don't know if we had sound, maybe we hadn't sound checked yet, but I finally go over to my guitar, but I, I didn't want to disrupt the process by sure. going to get it. I just, I got it. And I'm like, I got this. And that's when I picked up the guitar and I'm like, okay, well, what works here? And I have to find the key. So I have to find the key of this one. She looks so sad. And I, I'm figuring out the chords okay. that work underneath it. And then once I've got it, and I know I won't forget it, right? Then I'm like, okay, I, I've got this. There's okay. something here. And I, and I, how many days in a year? She woke up with hope. She that all came really fast. Now, does, is anybody around? Are you no. telling anybody? No, oh, no, no I got something. No. No. Uh, I, I'm just trying to get it, you right. know? Um, so as far as the inspiration was, that was the inspired moment that I just rode that wave. And okay. God knows we all know, yeah. don't we wish we could figure out how to do that every time, right? right? Um, and, but, the, and the discipline is, you know, the brilliance of what you did is you didn't let it go. There's yeah. that other part mm -hmm. of us that goes, I'll get that. I'll remember that. Yeah. And, you, and then it's no, gone. You can't. Yeah. And, and that's the, one of the crutches of having a voice note on a phone now. Right. And I, I feel like, man, that's actually bad because it forces you back then. You, you had yeah. to see it through. You had to do that. But the, the interesting thing to me is, even for me, you're talking about myself, but I never in a million years would have sat down and played <laughs> a B minor? Right. I never would have put a B minor in a song. That's not possible. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So as a result of not picking up the guitar when the melody was coming, right. I wrote a melody that was supported by music that I never would have come up with right. on my own. Right. It, never in a million years would I have played that. And it just it was because it was just there. Yeah, I just fly. I, I just sort of what works under this melody. Right. And and so the great the the lesson if there if there's a lesson to be learned, it's just that's why I feel it's so important to shuffle your process. Yes. Um because yes. I wouldn't have written that. Right. If I had had the guitar when this is came into my head, right. I guarantee you it would have been totally different right. because I would have gone to my my right. comfortable patterns and tried to push that right. melody to fit it. Right. And thank God I didn't. It's um, uh, you know it's part, it's 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 in every art. It's it's what we kind of call like you know riding the tail of the comet. Not trying to yeah. not trying to drive it yeah. all the time. You oh, know, yeah. you know uh, I did an interview with a with a visual artist. It was like, you know, it's the same for us. Where, you know, you don't do to the canvas. You you, you play with it. It talks mm -hmm. back to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same with tells you where to go. Yeah, it tells you. Where well, to go. it's you talking about acting. Um, it's really I I imagine really it it's extremely similar where when you're in some sort of a zone. And another, you know, in, in this case, like, you know, it's, it's me and this melody that I'm kind of honoring, but it's coming from me. Yeah, you know, it's, right. it, it would be wonderful if it was a mystical thing that you could right. just have, but it's a 
it's a, it's a culmination of however many experiences right. you've had up until that moment that you now know how to right. feel it. that out. Right. And I imagine as an actor, like if you've, you know, make this up, but you've had a thousand acting experiences, right? right? right. And you, now you're in some new situation and it's happening and you're able to call yeah. on all of that. Yeah, well, the, the, my belief is always that there is this thing, you mm -hmm. know, that you honor, this art that you honor, but you can't deny the prism it's going through, right. which is you. Right. Yeah, and, and, that's, and your craft is the other end of that, is the art is crafted by you to reveal something that didn't exist or, or, or wasn't communicatable to to yeah. other human beings, you 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 enabled it. You you're the liaison between. You delivered the two. it. You delivered it. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're the agency. All of, right. Of so that in it. delivering this, mm -hmm. what's the next step? You then take that to your guys and you go, okay, okay. everybody, drop everything. You know what? I just wrote. Yeah. A that actually handy. is pretty much how it happened because <laughs> okay. I knew. I just knew. I was like, no, this is. I'd never written anything that obvious it never <laughs> happened you know right. i was like guys i don't know what just happened here and i and i went home and i had like a reel to reel eight track <laughs> nice massive nice. thing i still have that too um and i had a drum machine and <laughs> i demoed and i somebody i gotta find that i have the reel to reels like i just gotta find it and throw it down but right. um i recorded the music okay and and then i i put it on a cassette and brian i he came over going to rehearsal and i said i'm gonna play the tape and i'm gonna sing <laughs> And he was like, yeah. He was like, yeah. But then the best part was, it was so pop. And we were not a pop right, band. Right, right. That's right. When I got to rehearsal, I was like, guys, I just need you to try something. So I showed everybody the song. These are the chords. This is what I'm beat. I'm hearing. Whatever it was. And everybody right. brought their thing into it for sure. But I was like, I knew this is what it needed to sound like. I wouldn't sing it until everybody had it nailed. Okay. And then... I wouldn't even look at them while I sang it because I thought they're either going to be like laughing, like, what is this pop? Right, you know, right. they're, or they're going to think it's great. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So it was like, however long it took, it might have been like an hour, an hour and a half of like, I made everybody nail it. Right. The whole song musically. Right. With no vocal so you, reference. you wrote out all the orchestrations? Or the, I don't, wait, yeah, I would just... You just said... Yeah, yeah. here are the chords, do this is this, the feel, this is the this, vibe. Yeah, okay. No, I'm kind of hearing that. Oh, that's great. Play that again. That's okay. awesome. Okay. And that process went on until the point where we could play the song from start to finish musically without anybody blinking. And at okay. this point, I mean, we are, we're such a great band after like, God knows, <laughs> hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, hundreds of gigs. So I'm like, all right, here we go. And I have this on a DAT tape recording. Oh, really? The, yeah, the first, yeah, the first thing, time. Yeah. And and I play it, and everybody's like laughing, but like, oh my God, that's great. So they, yeah. it was undeniable. Yeah. It was but like, okay. I also, I said, you know, if I had just gone and said, oh, let's just try this, it, it would have been different. But right. I was, I knew it was special, but I was also a little bit like, this is really like, this right. is not really, this is an extension of what we've been doing, right. but it's very clearly a step. Yeah. somewhere else right, right. and basically all those labels who you know weren't interested because they couldn't figure it out right. it's yep. like well okay now you just delivered right. an obvious radio song and then it was just we it changed everything we showcased for all the labels like you know the heads of Col head of columbia is there the head of this one's there you know just like you know you you yeah. see in the movies and yep. It it wasn't that glamorous. It didn't happen fast. It still took months. Sure. But it was a different ball game. And then it was more and about And for a for a hit like that, mm -hmm. when you're showcasing that to labels, is it 
was it then like it still is to this day, even in, in our, in my business where it's like, everybody's got their notes, you know, it'd be great if, uh, right. if it was, ooh, 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 instead of, uh, you know what I mean? Did you yeah. get that kind of shit? You know, the, I didn't actually get the only thing I got on that song, which is really funny going back. There are two things that happen and I've since read in books, <laughs> both of them have happened from the same guy. Oh, wow. Uh, John Kalodner is a very famous, uh, A&R guy. And apparently he told the Black Crows Hard to Handle was a hit, but it, the guitar solo wasn't a hit guitar solo. So the producer went in and overdubbed the new solo. Okay. Uh, so we finished the whole record. We finished Story of a Girl. And I get two notes when we're mixing. And we recorded in Atlanta, but we're up in New York mixing. And I get two notes. One is John Kalodner, <laughs> buddy, R.A. and our guy played it for John Kalodner. Just, hey, what do you think? And he said, that's not a hit song guitar solo. So now <laughs> we got to redo the solo. And the other note was, hey, listen, just for one of the lyrics, and I left it, was how many lovers would stay just to put up with this shit uh, day after day. <laughs> right. And I thought, okay, well, when that comes around, what they used to do is they would take the curse word and they would flip it in reverse. So you'd hear, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And that, or they would just mute it. Right. I thought that's what they'll do. But they were like, can you just give us an option there? I'm like, I don't want an option. What, I got to rewrite a line? They're like, don't worry, we're only going to use it for this promo thing. Right. So I come up with to put up with this every day and all day, which works. Mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. That's the one that went to radio <laughs> everywhere. Not the, you know, right. not what I thought. And so I got a little duped there. Uh, but it, whatever, it wasn't a big deal. So once you get into the machine of this, uh, let's we'll skip. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll start sure. moving forward. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to keep you all day. But so this thing hits, and yeah. and you get a deal, and and your your records out, and and things are. This is the dream. Yeah. Do you know it? Do you, are you like, yeah. all right, we're, we're getting a tour, we're getting a video, we're getting, I mean, all this stuff is happening probably simultaneously, I would think, right? It goes from zero to 120 to right, right. in like, not quite overnight, but pretty close. Wow. It's crazy. Um, it is, it, it literally is your classic story. I mean, if, if I knew then what I know now, I would have enjoyed it more i did enjoy it though True. we all knew we did not come up as a band striving for a hit we weren't coming up as a band it was like we're gonna play on the radio we never thought about that as crazy as that might sound we just thought we're albums we're a band we're gonna tour we're gonna make albums people are gonna right. listen to our albums that's what we wanted so we have a hit and we just thought well okay good this will get us so we can go make an album right None of us truly understood how all-consuming a mm. hit becomes um you know like it's I, press it's radio it's spots every it's day every day every day the other guys in the band would get to sleep in on the bus or the hotel and i would get picked up at like 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning by the local record company rep who would drive me around to multiple radio stations and visits and shake hands and do right. acoustic and sign and i would get delivered just in time for quick bite and sound check and play the show wow. and then i would enjoy after the show and then the next morning it would start again i didn't I was happy. I wasn't complaining, right. but you know, it's funny. We all will all reminisce now, and the guys will be like, "Oh, remember this?" I'm like, "I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't there. there. Right. I wasn't there." You know, I, the you know, they were on the bus for these trips, and I would have to stay behind and do something. So I would meet them, fly right. and meet them. So my experience was airports and wow. Well, look, I had great time. You know, I got man. to do the TV. Front, yeah. yeah, I got to do all that, but it was different. 
experience. Right. Um, and you're saying to yourself, how did Ronnie James Dio do it? Yes. How did, <laughs> how did Dio get through all this? <laughs> he had a great voice. He sure did. Um, uh, that's great. So yeah, it, it, it was nuts. Um, but listen, I, I we knew that we were living right. something that was you know, ridiculous. None of us thought, well, this is our new life. Right. None of us, we didn't buy in. We were kind of like, this is, this is ridiculous. And who, who were you going out with at the time? Like, who were you touring with? At the, like, what were the bands you were, they were we putting We toured in? with Third Eye Blind. We toured with Vertical Horizon. We toured with Stroke Nine. We toured with SR71. These were a lot, all bands. Like, a lot, a lot of bands like numbers in the Yeah, in the my God, it was a lot. And here's the thing, though. <laughs> I always have to say, we came up with nine days before any bands had nine numbers. Right. We were before Bl- Blink One Eighty Two. It was nineteen ninety four. I want to. I want to just clarify that. No Matchbox Twenty. They That's didn't right. exist. None of that. Nobody. No bands had numbers. I, I can't think of. It probably was, but I don't right. know. Um, but yeah, a lot of numbers. Uh, we would still have a good, really good rapport and relationship with Stroke Nine, and we we. Beat each other up on Twitter. We have fun. Oh, that's great. But we always want like the Stroke Nine Days tour. You know, we've done right. it so many times. But we also did tons of like radio festivals because we were. It was such a big radio yeah, yeah. thing. We did tons of rock radio festivals and pop radio festivals. So one day, no joke, we were doing a festival with. Uh, we did a show in in Chicago. Metallica, Kid Rock, <laughs> oh, Stone Temple Pilots. There's a combo. Us, you know, uh, Tonic, a couple other bands, and like the next night we might have been on a bill with Pink and Britney Spears. You know, so it was bizarre. One day we were the heavy band on the bill, right. we're the rock band, and the next day we were like, we should not even be here That's right, right now. Yeah. We're getting you know bottles <laughs> thrown at us. Is, you know, yeah. yeah, no joke. That's I mean, great. yeah, we played with Disturbed once, and and all, <laughs> half the show. Stuff was just getting launched. It's like the Blues Brothers, you know. They're, oh, you're yeah. like, oh, stand by your man. Yeah. We know it that was, one. It was great. <laughs> but it was fun. We actually had fun. So two questions. Sure. One, as because I want to move on to the next sort of phase of your sure. life there. But during that period, what's that moment? Because now we're talking about that. We're going to circle back around to that 13-year-old kid later. Right. But what is that rock moment that sticks out where you're like, holy shit, this is it. You know, you walk out. Hello, Cleveland. You know, I mean, what is the one moment there? And then two, if you'll remember this question after, is what's it doing to your creativity as a writer because of the grind of this? Couldn't write. Couldn't write. Uh, I tried. Uh, So I'll I'll answer part one first. Yeah, rock and roll question. Okay. If I have to pick one moment, and I wish I could say that I had like this extremely vivid, visceral memory of it. Unfortunately... I tried really hard to hold on to it, but uh, it, it was just such a crazy... Everything was crazy. Everything yeah. was, you know, so much happening. But we played the Jingle Ball for Z100 at Madison Square Garden. Wow. And this is our home. This is New York. And it's sold out. It's packed. Well, it was like eight, 18, 20,000 people or something. And and I knew. I went out. I was like, I, I've got to hold this moment. I've got to hold on to this. I cannot let it get away. Britney Spears introduces... We were standing on the stage where there was like a round stage that would rotate. So oh, cool. we were all set up, ready to go. We're in the back and we're standing with Britney getting ready for the stage to turn. And I didn't care. You know, I didn't care. I, I just was like, you mean nothing. I mean, like, it's Britney Spears. She's sure. a mega Huge star. She's a beautiful girl, you know. But I, it just... I, it's like I'm so focused on capturing... I, I'm pulling this into me. And... um 
you know, I was like, I sat there, I sat there for that show, I sat there, <laughs> and we played two songs, you know, that's what you, you play your radio songs. Sure, sure. So we played Story of a Girl, we played a song called If I Am, which was our follow-up, which didn't do as well. Um, <laughs> but song. I love that song. Well, it's my give, me, give me a little of that one, because I, uh, I love that one. Do you know it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's a... This has been sitting in the cold all day. Yes, sir. Standing on a ledge. Oh, okay. It looks like you might fall so far down. Or maybe you were thinking about jumping. So, okay. We play those two. Um, oh. And uh, we get the story of a girl, though. And we always do the breakdown. <laughs> and the whole entire place is singing. Oh, this is the story man. of a girl. And I was like, that's I mean, it. this is it, you know, and, you know, and, and I'm not saying that everybody there, they clearly, they were not just there for us. I don't think that for one second, but it was home. It was like, we grew up here. Absolutely. We're from Long Island and you know, there's a, probably half that place was from Long Island. <laughs> right. So, and we would play Long Island, these shows and it was, it was be packed. So like, I knew that we had real genuine people who right. were like so happy for us being right. there. And it was such an amazing moment. My brother and his wife, I, we only got like a couple tickets for each guy to give out I, I so i was like you got to be here and we were backstage so that's the moment but even with that moment when you're out on the road when they're singing your lyrics back to you yeah oh, that's, that's incredible that's unbelievable yeah. what it's, a, talk about you know playing off each other the, yeah. the complete strangers are tuned into your yeah. moment in island park right when you saw the girl smile across yeah. the, i mean that's insane it is and the funny thing is Story of a Girl is three minutes and nine seconds long. It's the shortest song on the album, probably by far. And it's the one everybody's waiting for. And it's like, we gotta, we gotta somehow stretch this thing out because it's over in three minutes, you know? So, you know, you, you do your, your breakdown. But it, it was a great moment. Uh, and there's so many just... So, you know, so let's get back to the, the writing part. You said that the, the grind yeah. of the rock star lifestyle kind of bounced and press and it killed yeah. the, the creativity well, part. Well, a couple things happened. Number one, how do you not get it in your head that, well, okay, I write hit songs now. I have to write hit songs right. now. And, 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 I, and I, should say, I should say not from an arrogant sense of I write them. It was more like, oh my God, now I have to write right. a song like this. What am I, how am I going to do this? Right. And I was trying. Mm. when you're trying yeah. it's yeah. i i would i would sit with the guitar i would kind of force myself sometimes mm. to sit in the in the dressing room and just try to write try 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 and like nothing was good it was really and that's hard be, that the panic has to be a cycle once you're yeah i i didn't panic but i um i struggled yeah i really did struggle and um again looking back you know, I, I wish I'd had, I, that's when I probably should have really embraced more co-writing just to kind well, of Well, I was going to ask, are channels. your bandmates and your writing partners, are they feeling the same thing that you're feeling at this, that, that like, hey guys, how do we do that again? Or how do, or this is harder than I thought, or like, are they feeling the same as you or? So the dynamic of a band, <laughs> when one guy has the the hit song and is featured in the video and is featured in most of the interviews and wants to be talked go to. Go talk to him, <laughs> right? Doesn't go well. Yeah. yeah. It creates a lot of tension. Mm. It creates a lot of friction. Gotcha. Um, and then, so Brian, I, I, I don't look, I don't blame Brian for being <laughs> irritated by it, but 
you know, you're also like, dude, this is what's happening. We have this chance. We have to, you know, we have to go this way. But it's easy for me to say. Right. right? It's easy for me to say that I'm getting that attention. So that was tough. So yeah. Brian and I were not really writing together at first. Okay. Uh, eventually we did. And, and that was some of my favorite songs. And ironically, once called favorite song was when Brian would play something musically. Okay. And I would be, I just hear oh my god keep playing that I love that and I would write that was op opened up channels for me see this this shit just fascinates me yeah. just the the sonic the thing that happens when you're either engaged with it directly or somebody's playing and this stuff is coming to you well, or it's coming out of you I the, the truth is like I mean you could drop a glass on the floor and I'm not exaggerating if, if it happened to make a melody and it somehow I don't know like just go I would go wait a minute here and that and I, I could it could inspire right. a song wow. I, and I get it but it comes back to I'm now 49 years old <laughs> uh, so I, let's say I've been doing this actively let's right. say since 11 yeah, where I was so. trying I had a guitar for the first time and I could play a melody and then try to do some so let's even just say it starts there right that's 30 am I doing right 38 years yeah. of conscious searching right for melody, for words, for for ideas, but but it's not a it's not a labor. It's just right. what you do. Right. right. Um, so I, I always say like I better be kind of good at this by now, right? I mean, <laughs> I, say I, that, I say the same. Right. Like, I mean, as far if I as can't being, do it, I, right. Know, as far as being wrong. a craftsman, right? right? As being able to sit down. If I had to, I could write a song right now in a half hour. If I had to, if a little you, shorter. Yeah, if I had yeah. to, I we could, could do talk it. about you know dead celebrities. And exactly. You'd have it. But. Um, so, uh, you know, okay. it, it's, it's, uh, so, you know, that whole process, I was just, for, I was trying and it yeah. wasn't happening right. and slowly it did. And a couple songs would come out and, but, uh, we did the our second record was called so happily unsatisfied, which was, tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> right. Um, but my favorite songs on that record are, are mostly things where Brian had a guitar part okay. and it just immediately sparked. What was, what's one that stands out for you? Uh, a song called favorite song. <laughs> Funny story. He is... What if everything you have These are all too high to sing, right? Like, right, right. like a castle made of sand Would you open up your hand and hold on tight? And what if everything was wrong And no one knew your favorite song? Would you... <laughs> Something like that. And that, was, uh, that came from his he was starting, playing, starting a melody. He's playing a guitar part at EKO Studios. <laughs> and uh, no joke. There's this little bathroom right off the stage area. <laughs> I am in the bathroom. <laughs> I am sitting down in the bathroom. Inspiration and strikes everywhere. And he starts playing that. <laughs> and I don't know if it's something he's been working on. I don't know if he just happens to be playing. And if I say to him, hey, what was that? He'll go, what do you mean? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. But I know that I got something right off the bat. I <laughs> took care of things... <laughs> And ran out the door, still right. pulling my pants up. <laughs> Don't stop playing that, you know. Wow. Keep playing that, you know. Wow. And then I, you know, did what, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, like That's it's incredible. just, you know, whatever it is. It's really, it's it's fascinating to the, the just the the different physicality that musicians have and and writers, songwriters sure. have. And there's not too many of them around now. The same way singers, songwriters, the, the way they, I mean, yeah. ours. Was and yours, like I'm one of you, yeah. was the last generation really. You get some of them now. I mean, maybe there's the Billie Eilish's or whoever. Mm. I don't know, but it's a different 
Am I wrong? Is it? Is it the? It's not the same. I don't. It? You know, the truth is, um, it's it's I do, or cons- constructed in, yeah. in a different way. Well, it, it there's. I'm sure there's still people out there picking up the guitar and, and writing. Right. Um, but I think just by the sheer the nature of the fact that anybody can now multi-track at home. Right. Anybody has access. You can get any Mac or any computer, but let's say a Mac. It comes with GarageBand. If you open up GarageBand, there's every sound you could possibly need to make a song built in. And all you have to do is be able to bang on a key for drums. I do it all the time to to demo, you know. So, of course, it's different, you know. And and who's to say which one's better? But I know that going back to being the kid, you know, the, 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 physicality like you said of yeah. playing music yes. together yes um and one guy playing and another guy playing and somebody plays something just a little bit different and you go wait what was that and right. then you play something different that's collaborative that's collaboration and the and other thing that thing i talked to my friend Vinny that we mentioned mm-hmm. Vinny before about when he was here was the generation we grew up in too also you know the radio and even when mtv came in it was you know it was like one of your radio festivals. It was Metallica, then, you know, yeah. Michael Jackson, then, and, and we had to listen yeah. to all of it. Yeah. So we didn't have these little boxes we were stuck in. And I, I wonder if that speaks to kind of how you... I'm sure it does. Yeah. And again, it comes back to, like what I had said earlier, just about, like, you know, the idea that if you listen to something, if you listen to the radio and a song came on that you loved, you had to wait to hear it again. <laughs> right. Or you had to try to go buy the 45, and when you're nine, you're not buying a 45. So... Right. You you just had to wait. You had to. I can't wait to hear that again. Finger on the right. tape record. Player. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> we right? all did that, right? <laughs> and, and or flipping stations to try to find it. Right. Uh, and now, like I tell my kids all the time, like you guys hear a song you like. Well, what is that? You can Shazam it, and then you've got it for the rest of your life. There's no waiting. Right. Dude, you probably remember this too. There were albums that I read about. Yes. Right. That I didn't get to hear for two years because <laughs> nobody had the album. Right. No joke. Like album like oh my god I, what does that sound like i'm reading about it i see guys in my high school with the rush rush <laughs> patch on their jacket who's rush these guys all have really they must be the heaviest band ever judging by the people right. wearing the patch right, exactly what Denim is jacket. this yeah. and then you hear it and you're like really yeah. that's what they were listening to it's you know like why why yeah like why why z that's what that guy <laughs> so but i think that yeah. That definitely informs. Yeah, the the, the, right. the instant satisfaction now and the and the compartmentalization yeah. of things is it just takes away from the 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 analogness of. Okay, so actor. Yes, I was just thinking this the other day. Um, I'm a huge fan. First of all, I love films. I love acting uh, actors. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge huge fan. I, I listen to podcasts all the time with actors. Okay. I love listening to actors talk about their craft and what they did. Stanley Kubrick, 2001. What it took to make that film in Absolutely. 1968, right? Um, okay, the monkey suits in the beginning, they seem a little dated now, but still amazing. But the second half of that film, it still holds up. Yeah, it, That was 1968. Yeah. Anybody now it's so much easier. There's no more wonder. People who saw that movie in right. 1968 would be floored. How did you do this? Right. That's why they think he is the conspiracy right. the moon yeah, theory, the, the right? Because right. look but at he, that, right? But now, like, can you really get the same sense of wonder anymore out of that when, when CGI? Yeah, well, you know what's, what's interesting? What I think, my personal belief is that 
the pendulum swings and the only way to recapture that because what Kubrick and those guys did was practical. It was mm -hmm. all yeah. models and lights yeah. and and there's a feeling that the human being gets mm -hmm. with their eyes and their ears when they know it's tangible. Yeah. And the CGI as wonderful as it is still has that cool coolness to it and digitalness yeah. to it that you'll just you're not fooling me enough to know. Yeah. So I think once the next wave of innovation is probably going to go back to some practical form that's way beyond what even right. we were doing before. It's the only way because I, I just don't know where else you could do. Or maybe, you know, ten or fifteen years virtual reality becomes some yeah, kind of weird. Say that I, you know, where, where you and I are sitting here and it looks like you right. and I are sitting here. I don't want that. I don't uh, want that either. But then that you know what I say to this, and, and this brings us back to the idea of these younger artists and stuff. This is for them. Yeah, you know, exactly. it, it's it's. Uh, it's not the way I, I grew up. It wasn't available. Um, I do embrace it for when I'm sitting at right. home and being creative. A hundred percent, I, I do. Um, but you know, th there's a difference, yeah. and it's not a matter of which one is better. It's just no. different, um, and you know that that's why you know new generations come along. They, you just hope got that they can things. feel it. That yeah. they, you know, that maybe that's why, other than the novelty, maybe that's why vinyl's making its little... Con that, yeah. you know, dark side of the moon mixed on yeah. that board sounds that way. Yep. You know, I mean, you hope they feel it the but same that, way. But that goes back to the instant accessibility of things. Right. Whether we want to admit it or not, or, or, or but how do you value something that it takes zero effort to right. get? Right. Um, so that's part of it. All right, so... I don't want to keep you forever again, so I, I want to skip ahead. We're just going to, I want to make this transition sure. now. You've had the big album, the big mm -hmm. hit. The next couple aren't this, quite the same. The life is changing. Who makes the call? Who makes the decision that we're going to do, we're going to go different ways and you're leaving this life? Where, I want to skip right ahead to okay. where this happens and, and why does that happen? So I can tell you for me. Yes. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring us right back to Star, where yes, we started. Yes, that's where we want to start. Okay. We want to go right back there. So, um, okay, so I'm 32 by the time the major label experience has kind of run its course. Okay. Uh, we've done two major label albums. We've spent better part of three years, you know, on the road touring, four years making albums and touring, uh, 12 years trying to get there. Okay. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty incredible experience and stuff. And, and in the meantime, the story of a girl, girl is my wife. Okay. And uh, right. it was always important to me to start a family. So uh, my wife's pregnant and she's about six months pregnant. And, and this is absolutely true. I wake up one morning. She's this is January of, I can't remember, 2004. And um, I wake up. She's six months pregnant. And I look at her. And I go, what the hell am I doing? I don't know what I'm going to be doing in six months. I've got shows booked here. I'm doing this, whatever. But mm -hmm. I don't, beyond that, I'm just waiting for the next things to right, come along. Right. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a year. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years. How can I possibly, I'm about to have kids. Right. How do I go into this without knowing what I'm doing? Right. And I just said, uh, you know, the only other thing I ever wanted to do, the only other thing that ever hit me in any way was my senior year in high school. I had Mr. Kozira, college English, college prep class. And I, he was awesome. And I always loved reading. I always loved, I always loved my English classes. I was just, I read tons. And I watched him as a teacher and I was just like, I wouldn't mind. I would love to do that. 
Okay. That, you know, I wouldn't mind being that guy. Okay. I love that. So that was always in the back of my head. It's, uh, it, it's somewhere. And um, so woke up. What am I going to do here? I, I got to think about something else here. I don't know. I, I did this. I don't know that I want to spend mm. another few years trying to climb up again. Mm -hmm. it, it seems improbable. And I already felt uh, dated. You right. know, like okay. I, I'm not 26. I'm right. 32. I'm not a kid. Like I'm like, I, I already feel like a little time out of place right. thing. Um, but I was still trying. I was still writing. I still did some stuff. But uh, I went to Suffolk Community College and I'd gotten 12 credits there as an 18 year old. And they're like, you can have them. I'm like, really? Uh, and they were like, the semester starts in like, no joke. It was like two days. Wow. Just happened that way. And I'm like, I'm in. I enrolled. Um, and I figured out very quickly that I, I took some poetry, some novel classes, English classes. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm really, I love this. Okay. I love being a student. And I figured, well, it's going to take me three and a half years to get a degree. See what happens in that three and a half years. Three and a half years go by. I'd, I'd gotten some things happening. We'd, we'd made some nine days recordings. I wrote for some other artists. Um, I'd gotten like another deal that didn't quite pan out. And then the time comes where it's like, well, you, you're done student teaching. We, and I've gone through interviews and they're like, well, you're hired. And I'm like, oh, crap. I got I to gotta actually, now this I'm is it now. Wow. I got to commit. Um, and if we have time for one quick story with Please, this. Please, go ahead. This is uh, so funny. And life, if you wrote this in a script, no one would believe you. I take the job. I accept the job from the superintendent where I'm teaching. Carl Benuso was the superintendent. Okay. okay? And uh, I, kn I knew Carl a little bit. Nice, super nice guy. And uh, so I take the job. And I go to Home Depot and I'm in the lumber aisle where they cut stuff. Now, quick backstory. I'd met Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister a few times. <laughs> one of the greatest guys ever. And one trip on the ferry after playing his radio festival in Connecticut, we wound up on the same ferry coming home. And I approached him just to say, hey, hey, man, hi. You know, he spent the whole ferry ride talking to me cool. and my, my wife, who wasn't even my wife yet, about how we could stay together through all the craziness. Wow. The whole time. That's cool. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's happening. It's a great guy. A few other times we'd met and so forth and just had a, you know, a, a good rapport, but we weren't buddies or anything. There's D wow. with his wife and his in little Home daughter. Depot. In Home Depot. So I'm talking to him and, and we're chatting and he's like, you're still married or, you know, you're married. I'm like, yeah, like, thank you so much for that. It was great, you know. Uh, and his daughter's there and he introduces me to his daughter and he's telling her I sing to her. But girl, she's all crazy. Uh, and I'm like, this is your dad's D Snyder. Right. Great moment. Say goodbye to D. Two seconds later, around the corner comes Carl Benuso, who had just hired me to teach. And I look at him and I'm like, you just missed D Snyder. And I'm like, my two lives. Right just intersected wow. in Home Depot and one left by D. And Hello, one, Carl. Wow. <laughs> so that's it. I was like, you couldn't, you can't write this. No. That's uh, so that's that. First of all, I want to be the guy who was in the next aisle. I was like, is that the guy from Nine Days and Twisted Sister? <laughs> right. Talking to each what other? What are they talking what about? The fuck is going? Are they uh, collaborating? It was, it was a, great, a great moment. Um, so, <laughs> so you start, become a teacher. Yeah, I become a teacher. Yeah. And... What happens to the, the to the guys to the? To, um, so I mean, does everybody kind of go and do their thing or what? Yeah, everybody. Look, we stayed friends. We were, you know, we everybody kind of had to figure out where they were going. Everybody found their thing that they were right. doing. Some quicker than others, um, but we we all stayed close. Um, and let me ask you this: yeah. I mean, this is to 
across the line just smack me in sure. the face so that that uh, moment of the nine days ascension and that song and all that i assume you guys had all the publishing and all the you know yeah. it you, like you could do it like it wasn't like man if i don't get this teaching job i'm <laughs> like like oh right like yeah it, you were okay um well because you had kids coming I yeah mean, I had kids coming well that was look that was part of it it's uh, huge look the song was a very very big song right but one very big song that doesn't constantly get reinvigorated right. doesn't Did they put that song it. in movies and stuff too? It, you know what? It hasn't been used a lot. It's okay. been on some TV stuff. It's been on some movie stuff. But it hasn't been overused. Right. And I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, the, the bottom line is living on Long Island, no. <laughs> I, I was not going to be okay. No. Right. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Not even close. Fair enough. So I did have to, look, I was still playing. Sure. I was still touring, playing shows. And, right. and I actually, believe it or not, I, 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 I probably did better financially after the fact because I wrote <laughs> some songs, like one in particular, some Disney kid recorded one of my songs. through. Oh, wow. a, yeah, And that was like, wow, hey, that was great. Um, Do you like doing that, by the way, writing for, for other artists? or um, It's a different vibe, I would think. Are you I, writing I, for their style? or are you? It was, I had just written the song. You just wrote and, the song. Uh, right? I, you know, a producer that I knew had heard my stuff, and we, we talked all the time, and he just called me up like a year later, and he's like, hey, listen, I, I got this kid here, and we're working on an album. I think this would be great. I'm like, okay. Wow. Um, so I, I've never been great at it. Mm. I've had great moments of writing with people. Um, but I, I'm much better at writing for myself. I, it's just the way it is. I'm, I have never been super great at sitting with an artist and writing for them. And how, um, all right, so, so how, the, the story of a girl, mm -hmm. how did the girl mm -hmm. handle this transition? She didn't care. She's like, she right, so, so, right, so you're a rock star, now you're not? Okay, whatever. Oh, no, that part? Yeah. No, uh, we, we've, uh, to, to our credit and to our, uh, to the betterment of our lives, like, one of the reasons why, you know, we, we've been together as long as we have is like, we've never, ever had an argument about money. And not because we that's got awesome. tons of it. That's not that's it at all. We just, awesome. it's just never been a thing for right. either of us. That's like, huge. um, it just never mattered. That's uh, so great. yeah. And I know it's huge, but it's one of those things I take for granted. Like we just don't, that's you know, great. um, it's just, the I'm finance. sure D Snyder probably told you that was the well, that's step yeah, he, one. Don't uh, argue about yeah, money. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was always easy. That's great. That so how hard. long have you been, how long, because we're going to get, because then in 2016, was it 2016 that you guys started to kind of yeah, we did, write again? Yeah. You, you did other things yeah. before. But how long were you teaching before that little I tickle came back to you? I started teaching in 2007. Okay. 2007, 2008 year. I think that's the year I started teaching. Uh, the funny thing is I've been teaching now for 14 years, which yeah. is about as long almost as long as I spent as a quote-unquote professional musician, <laughs> right, 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 from 18 on. It's right. it's close, you know, so it's pretty interesting. Um, but I, I did, I put out my own records in that time. They were just, like, for me. They are like, right. personal things. I, I wrote all the time. I would record. I would go in studios. I was always making music. We did were the, always... Did your kids know? Yeah, all yeah. The they, kids in the, all the kids in the... All the kids. I mean, not your kids, your students. Did they? Yeah. They, look, my wife was a teacher at in Wontaw. Okay. So there was, it was already there, sort of built in when I got <laughs> <All> there. Right. <laughs> uh, funny thing with teaching, it doesn't happen now. Kids are, the kids are great and everything. I, um... But I used to have kids when I first started teaching who I'd have as a student, you know, all year long and nothing. And then 
uh, they would ask for a pass to the library and I would sign the pass to the library and they'd be like, Oh my, and oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that, that would be one thing, but then they would show up somewhere to show and they'd say, can you sign this for me? And I would sign a piece of paper and they'd be like, Oh my God, thank you so much. I'm like, I sign your library passes every day. What, you know, so it was just funny. Um, That's great. yeah, it, it really is funny how the transformation happens you in know? school. They're all kind of like, yeah, he's just my teacher. He's just the guy who gives me homework. That's cool. <laughs> so, so, all right. So let's get back around yeah. to where we started with, which mm-hmm. is uh, that, that, that song star and what i what i what i relate to is when you reach that certain point in life and you've been pushing right to whatever degree and you've reached whatever heights mm-hmm. yours in in the highest case mine and not not even close to the highest case but you're pushing as as a working artist and you're trying to do things and you hit a certain number and you hit a certain place and those lyrics spoke to me in a way where it was like you know what i'm not satisfied but there is a Zen quality about what I do have. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's a little fire still in the belly to, to always do it. And that seesaw is okay mm-hmm. to have that at the same time, to have those two things happening in you at the same time. I've run out of time. No, I haven't. I enjoy what I have, but I don't. It's all, it's all mm-hmm. kind of, so what, where does that come from and how did that happen? That song? Um, I'm trying to think if that song happened before or after my Nashville experiences, because I feel like it, it has that common thread of a right. story. Right, and it even almost has like I don't want to say country, but it has it's a it's it's not quite as poppy. Yeah, in the, in for the sure. Of a girl type of thing. Um, this is the last time. I swear I'm giving up. There's only what is it? (laughs) There's only only so much that a man could take. Um, These disappointments. Oh my God! I can't remember my own lyrics (laughs) on the spot. Wait a minute! I got it right here. You do? Okay. It's. uh, This is the last time. I swear I'm giving up. There's only so much that a man, man could take. take. Keep going. These disappointments coulda, shoulda, mighta been. I'm setting myself up for a heartbreak. That's pretty good. You All just right. keep going. I don't know. The, I don't know the how. But the, but the heart swimming. don't listen to the words. Yeah. So there's. Uh, so the song is about. Um, the chorus comes in. It, it basically sets itself up where. If I'm a character, right. and, it, and it is me, but it's a character, and it's like, I, I'm done here. I've been right. disappointed so much, right? There's only so many times I can be kicked when I'm down here. Um, you know, the could have beens, the might have been, should have beens, all that kind of stuff. But then it's like, you know, and there's a couple different ways I phrase the next part, but, you know, the heart doesn't listen right. uh, to, to, to reason. It, it just doesn't listen. It doesn't, it's not going to. It's not going to be practical. The mm-hmm. heart wants what the heart wants, right? <laughs> right, that right, is. right. Um, and then the chorus comes in, and, and this was a device of writing that I think is so effective. And it's, I should be happy, but I'm not satisfied with what I've got. So it's like a, it, it's right. a play. It's, it stops, but it's actually continuing. I should be happy with what I have satisfied but i'm not right right? um i've got more than any man could ever wish for right i've got two kids in their bed and a roof over my head head. and a woman sleeping next to me lying next to me um 
so it starts off and and it's like well i should be happy but i'm not right, right? but then there's that moment and it's um but if this is all that's in the plan i've still got my three biggest fans right right uh my wife and my right, kids right? right and when i play them my new song with my guitar i'm a star i'm a star yeah so bottom line is like it's all about finding what it really is is about you know yes. being in this case it's like being a musician you know being uh, playing songs, being a songwriter, the whole big thing. It used to mean that I had to get up on the stage and I had to make a record or I, I had to do all that stuff. Um, but life, life changes, life evolves, things don't stay the same, you know, and not many of us get to do that fun. Look at a baseball player, right? Like yeah. I'm mean, a pro baseball player. If you get, much. Right. And if you get 10 years of it, that's amazing. Yeah. But guess what? You're 32, 35 when you're done. Right. What do you do for the rest of your life? Right. You're probably still going to do baseball maybe in some way. Right. Maybe you coach. Maybe you're a hitting coach. Maybe you coach your kids high school. Right. Whatever it is. So it's the same kind of thing. Like I don't have to be at this level to right. still feel that rush of being creative and writing and, and being you, a musician. Do you? Do you do still I, feel... Ah, yeah. You sit down and, and write and, and still feel that A hundred percent. I'm literally right now, I'm in the process of finishing up four songs that I started recording. And um, uh, tonight, one of them is getting mixed. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, and the fun thing is, you know, I'll always go back full circle, my friend Kirk, uh, who, <laughs> you know, the Roots guitar player right. Kirk, who, you know, we stayed in touch all these years. And he's a fantastic guitar player. And he played a guitar solo on one of them. And he sent it to me a few days ago, and uh, you know, I, I listened to it, and I, was, and I got a little giddy. I was like, "Oh my god! Like, <laughs> dude, we haven't we haven't Done collaborated musically years, in a long. It was right. it was a great moment. So, absolutely, that's it, so it's awesome. Still All right, continues. so just to wrap this up, and, I, and by the way, I appreciate every second. That's great, man. Thank this you. Is awesome. Um, uh, where where do people find your you know you, what you're doing now is you on all the social media and stuff like where do they find i'm on you? almost no social media. okay well that's good because uh, yeah. you're a teacher we can't yeah no i, I kind of was like i just i never embraced it and i'm yeah. fine without it yeah. but we do have a twitter handle nine days band um there's an instagram i think it's also nine days band and we do have a facebook and i swear to god i don't know what it is i've never <laughs> been i think i've been on it but i don't ever i don't have facebook so right. uh but that's all that stuff's out there and uh, we were actually had plans last year was the 20 year anniversary of Story of a Girl and the Madden Crowd album. 20 okay. years. I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It feels tough. Yeah. <laughs> so we had plans to go and and do we were going to play shows. We, right. we you know we were going to put out some music and clearly COVID nixed all that. Right. So maybe this year if we can pull it all together and we can get out, we we are planning on celebrating that. Right. Uh, and, and playing some You gotta shows pull that double bill with um, Metallica, Twisted yeah. Sister. <laughs> We're gonna give Pink, them a call. That would be great. Spears. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> that would be, that's that, a bill right that there, man. Awesome. That'll sell some tickets. Well, dude, I, I super appreciate you doing this. Uh, so incredibly informative to see uh, an artist at the top of the the heap at the top of their game how their process works and uh, well i appreciate that i'm flattered uh but uh yeah i you know this was great and it's always fun to talk about you know the music and 
you know, how it gets there. It, it's it's more fun to talk about the creative part of the whole yeah, thing and tell stories. It but totally uh, is. the next time we talk, whether it's on camera or not, um, I got to pick your brain about the whole acting thing. Because yeah. as a dad now, I, I'm living it from the dad side. Absolutely. And, uh, you oh, know, yeah. absolutely. Any, you know, advice, help, uh, whatever it takes, because uh, it's not my world. I'm available. I'm just a fan. Time. And what I want to <laughs> do with some of these shows eventually, because I'm trying to get artists from all different kinds of spectrums, and what I want to do eventually is take them all mm -hmm. and do like the musicians roundtable. Sure. All yeah, the guys that yeah. were on there and just, you know, yeah. hey, you know, and just then fool yeah. around the actors, the filmmakers. So at that point, we can, yeah. we can screw And then around. you can mix them too. That'd oh, be fun it's too. It's just, I love that. that. I see, that's what I get a kick yeah. out of is hearing the, how different people Oh, for sure. It. Like that's why I listen to more actor... Right. based podcast stuff than music stuff right i am so i i'm so fascinated by you know and again it's probably also because i feel like i pa i always pass it on to my kids hey i guess what i heard about this guy <laughs> that's right because you know we talked about that delusional yes you know that that confidence that, that that you have to have and you know as a kid as a teenager sometimes that you know you don't have that you know you, you're right. you're struggling to to find that and um that's something that you know i feel like the, what kids need is that yeah. that support and encouragement i always got it i'm very lucky my yeah. parents were awesome so yeah i feel this is all that's in the plan i still got my three biggest fans and when i play them my new song with my guitar then i'm a star maybe just once more